Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Hey, playwrights. Welcome to Hey, Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Wow. Second episode. Second episode. So, so we actually recorded this episode in the spirit of transparency. We want to yes. let listeners know that we, I don't know why I had to go that way with I like I the voice. I, I don't know I why I made that choice. I don't think I'm, I'm talented enough to, to maintain that. But uh, in the spirit of transparency, we actually recorded this episode in November of 2021. But we held back for a minute because we knew that we were going to be interviewing Marsha Norman for our season opener and felt that this gem of an episode would be a nice complimentary piece to that. Because, why because, Tori? Because our guest for this episode um, uses a scene from Marsha Norman's Night Mother as a teaching tool in the class so for actors to really dig in and investigate and explore. And uh, do you remember that class? I do, I do remember <laughs> that. that I do remember that class. Yes. So Jeffrey H. Ingman has an acting class. He's a coach here in San Diego and uh, he teaches a, a class called Audition Revelation, but Mabel and I took a scene study class where he was one of three teachers in that class with the MCIT studio. Being in that class was where I experienced one of the most powerful moments of like, this is why theater. And and it was, and again, this was a class. This was not, you know, in a big theater with like a bunch of people, where, but it was part of that scene study where Tori you performed that scene with Loey in Night Mother. You were Jesse, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and it devastated me. And just like it's one of those things where I think of that is a moment that I will keep with me forever because you just, you just were I, no words. I mean, it was just such a powerful thing to see you perform that. And that was that was in that class. It was it was just in the class. And it was like, this is why, this is why theater can be anywhere and for anyone, because there were like, what, 12 of us in the room. Yeah. And, and that, that, that moment um, affected me more than like the shows that I've seen on Broadway, the shows that I've seen in these bigger theaters, like that moment right there. And it was like, it was what, maybe 10 minutes, but God, oh, forever, forever. Yeah. Well, <sighs> Thank you for saying that, that, that role, as I talk about before with Marsha on that episode, it's just, um, it really resonated with me, but more importantly, Louie was such a generous actor and sharing that space with her and having the instruction that we did you know, from Lisa and Jeffrey in that scene, it, uh, I felt just very connected to, to Loie. And, you know, they, they often say, it's not about you when you're on stage. It's about the other character, you know? And when actors get very up in their head, it's like, well, make sure 
you're not making it about yourself. And that was a moment in time where I felt like I did that. And that's not something, you know, I I would say that I've done successfully in other things. But in that scene, I had that moment where I, I couldn't even tell you how it felt or what was happening because I was really in the moment. I think I was able to get to that point because Jeffrey was such a great coach mm-hmm. and Jeffrey and Lisa working in tandem really helped shape how we approached the material. And so that, that was a gift. That's why I'm excited to uh, share this conversation, even though we recorded it back in November, this is an incredible conversation about Jeffrey's journey and you're going to get to hear it all here. And he has classes coming up too. So this is exciting. So take it away, Tori and Mabel of 2021. <laughs> I am delighted to welcome our next guest to our podcast. Uh, he is so many things. He's an actor. He's a teacher. He's a coach. He has his own company. And he is working at several other places around San Diego as well. So he... he I, I was going to say has his hand in a lot of pots, but that sounds kind of weird. So, but I, I mean, <laughs> there he is. We hear his laugh. So we are welcoming Jeffrey H. Ingman to the podcast. Welcome, Jeffrey. Welcome, what a pleasure to be here with the two of you. It's so great to see you again. Yeah, it has been so long since we have gotten to connect. So we wanted to tell our listeners like how we met you. Oh. And I'm actually going to let Mabel tell this story. Okay. Oh. Should I should I be frightened? Because I, I think <laughs> I know, but uh yeah. So okay, so this story, this comes up a lot in my in my life because um Jeffrey, I don't know if you remember, but I I think I asked permission to to join the class so the class that we took do you remember the class that we took oh yeah was- absolutely it was a scene study class it was right and uh it was one of the many scene study classes called something scene study of course yeah, yeah. and it was it, it was an intensive you know like an yes. intensive yes. but you could oh, come right. at eight week yeah. yeah that's right yeah but you could come at any level and it's that's it's right. at a studio here in san diego called the mcit studio which is a fantastic Fantastic studio. It's a great training ground for actors and other creatives. So I kind of I kind of coerced. You did actually, I don't think you coerced me, Tori. Uh, You were like, I'm taking this class. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? I've always wanted to take an acting class because I'm not an actor. I am only a playwright. And I've always wanted to to understand the world of actors a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And so I I asked permission and y'all said, come on in, it's great, it'll be fine. And it was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. To this day, yeah. I still uh I still feel like <gasps> I think about it and it was it was terrifying and it gave me a greater appreciation for what actors do. Oh, yeah. um, and but I have to say, Jeffrey, you you really I, I felt very safe yeah. in, in like having you as the 
uh, the instructor, I don't know the, what, what is the proper title, but we're the, the coach, the instructor, yeah. the, that was the, the teacher, of, teacher of record. The teacher, right? Yes. Yeah. The teacher of record. Yes. Uh, yeah. so, but yes, it was, it was, um, something that, I, that definitely, I, I was sure at that, after that class that I never wanted to act. Oh, <laughs> not that it was something that I ever considered, but again. Wait but, a minute. Maybe this isn't ha- not the best no, situation. No, like, wait a minute. Which is not to say because, because one of the greatest performances that I think I've ever seen was the performance that, that Tori did with Loie yeah, with yeah. Night Mother. That oh. was incredible. Yes, wonderful Loey, and oh you two are amazing together. And that was um, it's it's moments like that where uh, you know I, I used to try to explain it to my family, and I know this is going to sound kind of probably highfalutin, but the truth of the matter is is um, is I really feel in moments like that when you see something that's like a level of growth that you haven't seen before, and then a connection between two people that you haven't experienced before. It's about the closest thing to divinity, as I think for at least an artist or someone like myself gets. It's like seeing the, if you will, seeing the face of God. I know that sounds very large, but I just, I, I remember that. And, um, and uh, you know that uh, Loie, it was it was an amazing class to have. It was you know she's she's an older woman, and it was amazing to have her in the room. And you know a, there's a kind of intergenerational wisdom that was going on there that I thought was so amazing. But Mabel, now listen, I don't know if you recall, but I mean I I I, I everyone that walks into the room, you know my big thing is just meeting you where you are not trying to turn you into an actor or, or trying to make you something that you're not, but really just meeting you where you are. But I remember you kept sort of reporting back like, well, I'm not, I'm not an actor. I, I'm not an actor for heaven's sakes. I'm not an actor, but you, but, but you did come to the room. You came to, uh, you came to the circumstances I, um, and you came to play. And that was the biggest thing that you were so willing and, and really, even in your anxiety, there was fearless, fearlessness there, right? I, I, I don't know about fearlessness. Well, you, you, you came back. You came back. I definitely, well, because, because I'm a completer, right? I, we, I, we were just talking about how I, she completes. I can't, I can't start something and then, and drop out. I'm not a dropout. I'm not a dropout. Yeah. But, but I, but I, I feel like I learned so much. And again, I think it really helped me as a playwright. So I'm very grateful for the experience. Yeah. Um, but man, it was, it, it was, uh, it's definitely, it's something that I talk about a lot, but I'm so grateful to you for just oh. making it. So for being so gentle with me. <laughs> so, oh, thank you. Well, yeah. uh, but, but Jeffrey, you're gentle with everyone. I felt very safe with you as well. And as a matter of fact, went back in and had you do some coaching with me for some auditions. And it was fantastic. And and one big takeaway for both Mabel and I out of that intensive is we we both said, ooh, we want to go have coffee with Jeffrey. Yes. And, yes. <laughs> yeah. We want to just go and talk to him. Like your exercises the, that you you had us go through are, to me, were so deep and just about getting into the inner lives of the characters. But also that's what we as playwrights do. Um, to some extent, right? I mean, some of it is up to the actor as well, right? We're not creating super, super deep, right? Because the actors bring their own 
I think. But, but the level of detail and specificity and finding the humane line, the thing that interconnects us, that's 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 huge for me. Trying to find the thing that connects us and also just honors our difference our differences, you know? And and in a way, when you look at an individual actor, you're looking you're looking to pull that specific, unique and I'm sort of on this right now anyway, it's sort of a big theme right now in my whole life and how I'm working with other actors and, and sort of the changes that have come as, as a result of the COVID pandemic, just in terms of being able to take time to slow down and just start taking people in from where they are. And I, I, I'd like to think I was pretty good at that before, but it's it's, I think the examination of our behavior is so much richer at least for me right now, and also just what I encourage the actors to do in the room, is just to really take time to get inside and to look inside and to also be empathetic on the outside so we can start to understand each other and also the behavior that can come. And out of that, I believe true uniqueness shows up. Our true voice starts to show up. So yes, the playwright gives us these essential words, these things that we literally live off of. In a way, I used to say we feed off the playwright. We're like the vampire and we feed <laughs> off the playwright's blood because, because those are life sources. And, and when you can connect the, the inner workings of the human up with the actual text that is being given us, the circumstances that are provided to us, the, 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 the movement of interaction and, and discourse between humans, man, there's nothing greater than that, but it does land on the playwright. I, it does set with the playwright for me. And um, and then out of that comes amazing improvisation and possibility. Yeah. Yes. I, I always love having playwrights in the room, but it's challenging. It's challenging because I become hyper aware, not only what the actor is doing, but also if we're using any text at all, knowing that you're actually coming in with a different calculation, a different idea and a different viewpoint and it's you know actually as we're talking it kind of it actually makes me wonder about having a class that could truly not just welcome happenstance wise what you know playwrights into the room which happens quite a bit but really developing a room which i know they have already but where 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 the work is actually coming from almost a dramaturgical playwright perspective into you know the acting questions and into the into the lessons that the actor ultimately needs to to do the work. That'd be interesting. Oh wow! Can you talk a little bit more about that? What, I, what, I just made it up. Oh oh <laughs> no! Because when when you were talking, I've I've mentioned this to Mabel before. I had the good fortune to um, work with one of the luminaries of the theater, Marshall Mason, when I was at ASU. And he, of course, um, was one of the, the founders of Circle Rep in New York. And they, what they did is they would bring playwrights and actors and directors together. And that is how they created the work. The playwrights would write for specific actors Mm. and sometimes with a director's theme in mind. So we had a collaboration class when I was in graduate school where we worked with directors and the director would say, you know, I I kind of want to explore this theme of what it means to start to become a parent to your aging parents. You know, what does that look like? And then we 
would uh, say, oh, that I can investigate that. And as the playwright, we would then write a play centered on that theme, whatever that meant to us, but for specific actors. And then we would workshop it in our groups. And I have to tell you, it was the most exhilarating uh, experience for me. I haven't found anything like it since. I mean, you know, I've workshopped things. I've made changes in the room with people, but it hasn't been that organic process of starting from the ground up with a group of creatives like that. I love that Mm -hmm. so much. I mean, my experience in that has only really been in a professional environment where I'm working on a new play with a new playwright and, and out of the work and exploration comes something new in a, and maybe a scene that ultimately got more developed. And, and as we know that, you know, that, that way of working, but what you're describing really flips my switch on because that, uh, that is fascinating to me. So when I tried to make some money back in the day when I was trying to make a, a living, other kinds of living, um, one of the things that I had the honor to do is I had an honor to to be a dramaturg for some playwrights that were in the area and also a playwright from actually San Diego. And, um, and that's just, I was using my directorial information as a dramaturg as it related to the play. That was sort of my position in that, right? Uh, so not a complete dramaturg, but someone who was coming from an outside point of view and looking in and kind of using my own historical context and what I knew about the environment, the conditions, the characters, and so that type of character uh, growth and all of that. So anyway, um, and but I loved that work. I, I loved that work because I loved being at the ground level of that without the pressure of production is where I was heading with that. And so <laughs> I don't want to be making deals with you guys, but if you if you want to talk about this uh, at some point, I would really I would really love that. Um, I, I totally w- would love to talk about that. So I'm I'm excited about some of the workshops that I'm actually starting to do. I'm actually kind of full bore right now, actually going into workshops starting in January that I'm creating. Uh, one is the actual. Uh, part of the prompt that I gave you. That's one actual, uh, one actual workshop that I'm going to hold. And the other one is uh, intergenerational, which I think is also interesting about what we were just saying. Um, intergenerational workshop, which I'm really excited about. I'm, I know we'll get to it, but um, but also this just, we really, seriously, let's talk about it. I would love to have this conversation. It, you know, even if it's not me guiding it or running it or whatever, but I would love to see what that can look like. Very exciting. Very exciting. All right. Yes. Here, kids. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that Tori and I have been fantasizing about this for, for years now. Um, I, think, I think we actually talked about it when we were taking the class. Um, yes. So it's been it's been years now. Whoa, <laughs> it's part, yes. of, part, of, part of the healing process. Love um, it. Love it. The healing <laughs> process. That's what I call. That's I what I call it. This is, the, this is the healing process of me coming to terms. You know, and you know the irony is that you you bring such a, a truthfulness to to your storytelling. Even as an actor, I know you say you're not an actor, but I I would challenge you on that. Thank you. Very. I kind. would challenge you on that. Very kind. Well, you know, just. You know, uh, Mabel, you'll appreciate this. I I respect so wholly what actors do. I I was an actor for many years when I was younger. I went to grad school as an actor. But I have, uh, my my love has actually grown from a different position. I I really, I'm I'm not, uh, how do I, I don't want to sound... 
trite. But I, I have such a profound love for actors and what they do and what they have to do in order to keep growing and also just to do what we have to do in this industry to keep going. And so for me, um, it's, it's, it's a, a thank you for acknowledging that. I so love that. Thank you so much, Tori, because I, I like to believe that's true. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I I would love to hear uh, what what your path has been then, because you talked about you know working as an actor. So, and I love on your website, Mavella said this too. You have that headshot of <laughs> when you were younger, lad. He was a young <laughs> lad. Yes, which we will definitely share in our show notes. Yes. So, if anyone wants, <laughs> wait a minute. What 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 headshot is it? Is in the there's a there's a picture of you. I'm assuming it's you yeah. uh, of, of, of a, a young boy. Look, he's going oh. on the internet right now. Yes, I was a young, I was a young, it's probably on there. I just don't remember, but it's, uh, it's, yes. I mean, I was a young actor. I started at the age of 12 and, um, well, actually kind of 11, 12, but, uh, yeah. Uh, if you're, is that, what, is that what you're interested in talking about? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what was, what's the trajectory of your I, career look like? I promise I will not go through my resume. So no. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, I, I do like telling portions of the story because they're part, they're true. I was going to say they're partially true, but they're all true. I promise. <laughs> I don't know why I was going to say that. But uh, so when I was, so when I, I grew up in, um, I grew up around horses and truck drivers. Uh, I was an alien in my family. So I, you know, if anyone says, do you believe in aliens? I absolutely utterly do because I was convinced when I was a kid that somehow I'd been dropped in the middle of the earth in this family and I had nothing in common with them, although I love them dearly, had at the time nothing in common with them and was sort of a strange, uh, effeminate little kid who just loved Judy Garland and Fred Astaire. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I would get I, 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 just to give you an example, I, I didn't know anything about what you could do as an actor. I, I knew I watched old movies that had amazing old actors in them and black and white films and, you know, musicals. And that was basically my exposure to anything that looked like acting. I didn't even know you could do it live. I mean, because everything just was film. Oh, right? wow. so if it was live in a film, I just assumed that everything was actually film, not live. And so I didn't even know that existed. This is about the ages between eight and 11. And I'm not kidding when I say that. Um, and I used to get on my horse, but something deep inside of me kept running uh, in that direction because I'd get on my horse and I'd ride to the Kennecott copper mine. I grew up in West Jordan, Utah. And, um, and I would be singing Judy Garland songs to the top of my lungs. You know, the man that got away. I mean, come on. Uh, that is the not, best riding image. the horse riding the horse <laughs> riding half broke horses usually because we we were we were people who broke and, wow uh, rode out oh horses for things like you know western pleasure horses and 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 rodeo and stuff like that we were we did that uh and ranching horses for like sheep herding and stuff like that well anyway and then i'd i'd anchor my horse off at a tree and I have a very specific place that's still in my memory. And I would get off that horse and then I would sing and dance in field while after or before my lunch or during. And uh, and then I'd get back on my horse and ride back to Cowboyville and uh, be, you know, put keep the hat on and make sure that the boots were dusty and go back into my house and sort of be the family again. Uh, so that's how so so uh, so I also um, I like this kid a lot, by the way, when I talk about him, I talk about him as if he's not me, but it's true. Uh, and I'll get past this part, I promise. But it's sort of a key 
uh, part of my existence. Um, and so uh, I was I was determined to do something that looked like acting. And I just happened to go to school in junior high school with a, um, a young woman whose parents ran a theater that had just opened up just down the street from us. And again, didn't know what I was doing, but I asked about it. And so after school, I went and I auditioned for Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And uh, I promise we're going to get past this story, uh, Seven Dwarves. And I was dopey, but they actually gave me lines because, you know, dopey doesn't have any lines. So I did kind of a goofy voice like <laughs> like that, like, <laughs> you know, that was sort of the sound that I gave this character because I... I thought it sounded like that. <laughs> and anyway, so, but, but my parents didn't know what I was doing. So I told them that I was in an after school special thing that I had to do because I also had difficulty reading because I was dyslexic. I had all these things that I was usually having to do anyway to help my learning. And, uh, and then I finally had to tell them and they, they, kept, they kept saying to me, you have to tell your parents what's happening because we're getting ready to open. And things were a lot more lax back in those days. So it wasn't like, tell your parents they've got to sign something it was just you need to tell your parents so I did finally tell my mother I'm in a play <laughs> and and I just need you to know that that's where I've been and I'm going to be at night now for a while so um so that happened and then I uh I I, I went up to Salt Lake City and got my own agent on a bus and back in the late 70s a bus was not you didn't ride the bus back in farm country. So uh, I did that. And then the agent said, you can't sign a contract on your own. You have to have an adult. So I was very mm -hmm. independent, which is why I like him so much. He was extremely focused. He, he just wanted to do this so desperately. So anyway, essentially, the rest is history on that point, because um, I started acting, I got into, I got an agent, I got, um, I was in some commercials and some television stuff. And, and, um, and then I, you know, I kept going, became awkward teen, really lost who I was, my identity. I couldn't figure out who the hell I was at the time. Excuse my language. Mm. And um, and uh, I went through this real crisis time when my late teens trying to figure out who I was. And so I was an awkward teenager. I stopped getting work, got very depressed uh, and then realized I needed to go back. I needed to go to school to learn more. I was, I did work in high school and stuff and then uh, failed out of college twice. I'm going to be completely honest with you, failed out of college twice. Now I was an honors, I was, I was highly revered student in my high school. I won awards and I won the Bingham service award and, and, but I was a mess. I was a personal mess. And, uh, and it was also because I was being told that I couldn't act anymore um because it wasn't the right thing to do and certainly not in my family and the idea of college even was not really in the purview of my family so i messed up for a couple of years had no support dropped out and then i finally found utah shakespeare festival and i went i want to go to school here at southern utah and it i mean really that is where the other level of the rest is history comes because it was from that point on that i i started to direct i started to enjoy other parts of my life i started to have a college life went on to rutgers university and then beyond that after my graduate degree uh, i continued directing at utah shakes started teaching at university uh, my first teaching job was at uh, university of montana where i ended up after four years running that program, had a crisis of my artistic faith and ran back to New York and thought, 
I'm giving up too soon. <laughs> I need to find myself and my voice again. Uh, too much money and too much, you know, too, too many people in the room. There's designers and sound people and actors and just too much availability. So you got to leave and figure out who you are again. So I ran back to New York <laughs> and, uh, and you know, did did some work there and, you know, worked with a company there called Director's Company. And then I went back to teaching again. And by this point, I'd probably directed 30 shows in my time. I was relatively young. I was uh, in my 40s, I guess, early 40s, whatever. And uh, and then the Olympics came along, and I, I became a director at the U.S. Olympics for uh, and, uh, and talent manager for short track speed skating and figure skating. And I have to tell you, here's the thing. If we ever do go out for a cup of coffee or go have dinner together and we talk about things, do not ask me about the Olympics because I'm like that guy who, you know, made that one football pass in high school and then never stops talking about it like the greatest moment in their entire <laughs> life. If you if you ask me about the Olympics, I will be that guy. I will tell you about the most extraordinary time in my life and how I actually learned something about dedication, focus, and work in a way that I I thought I understood because I've always believed I was a hard worker, um, particularly when it came to this. But I saw a level of dedication and focus that I had never experienced before in a way that was otherworldly is how I'm going to put that. And I actually used some of that um, in my own teaching, in my own work, and trying to instill that in, in others. So yeah, and then... Uh, uh, and then I, I ended up going to another school and I taught there for seven years. Uh, so here's the good part. The good part is, so my mother, and this is the great part, but my mother got ill and I came back and I helped her. So I, I left my teaching job again. And uh, I came to San Diego to visit my friend Lisa Berger and her husband, Mike Sears. And, um, and an agent called me out of the blue from LA and said, we hear you're an audition coach. Would you be willing to coach this person while you're in San Diego? And I was like, how did you even know I was here? Anyway, it turned out that I was helping this. I helped this young person here. And I thought, hey, I might be able to come back here and start my life again. And, and here's what I'm going to tell you. I, am, I have been renewed here. I get to be in rooms with people like you. I get to be in the room individually with another person working on whatever the progress is, whatever the next movement is, where they are. So the idea of walking in and collectively teaching has left my vocabulary, which also has taken a huge measure of pressure off of me as a, just as a teacher and a person in a room. And secondly, I have been more around more creatively amazing, wonderful, joyful, heartfelt, honest, authentic people here, even to my surprise, than I have ever experienced anywhere else in the world. And I, you know, I loved New York. I loved living back east. I loved all that stuff. But it's an amazing community here. And I know there are struggles and there are difficulties for everybody in our industry across the board. But there is a kind of joy when you find it. It's real. And um, it's it is it, it it's changed everything about my experience here, which is why, well, quite frankly, I don't direct much anymore, if at all. And and there's a reason for that. I get asked to direct, um, not here, usually out of state, but um, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. I am enjoying so much being 
being present. I never thought I would just call myself a coach, but I actually love this position. I actually love, and I love just being in the room individually with people and seeing them just where they are. It's, 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 it's a whole different kind of weight that's been lifted and I am internally grateful for it. Um, and even during COVID when I, you know, I did a, a thousand plus more than 2000 hours on zoom. If you actually look at my 397 zoom calls, uh, you know, and that's just, that's just one for like maybe a three hour to four hour session or, you know, with people, uh, each. And what I will say about that is that's also quieted me down. And, and, you know, I can get pretty energized and intense that quieted me down and just forced me to listen, to take in, to, I just take my intake is different. And so I'm weirdly grateful too, for that space that we were given. Because someone like me who's sort of always keyed up and turned up and flipped on, it it was a, a necessary life lesson. And that's what brings me to you today. <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> Woo! Oh, that you got editing skills, right? You got oh. some editing skills over there, right? <laughs> okay. First of all, Jeffrey, I want to say one of the things, I mean, you shared this incredible story with us, but I have to say that um, I did not place you above 36 years of age so oh my goodness kudos to how amazing wow. you look, okay? oh my gosh thank you so much thank you all right so i'm gonna put that on my dating profile i'm <laughs> kidding i don't have one i swear to god i don't have a dating profile but if i did i'd put that on there <laughs> oh and my then god. she said i do look older than 36 <laughs> thank you so um, what I what I think is is really powerful about what you shared with us is that is so we've been we've been talking about success, right? We've been talking to these th to theater artists about like how they define success. And what I'm hearing from you is that you are you are in this moment real like success for you right now is what you are doing. And it's, and it's a different kind of success than what someone might, ex might call like success, like, Oh, the big show. And I'm directing this and I'm not, and, and your kind of success is the kind of success that I feel um, that I relate to because that's my kind of success, which is the one-on-one, -on -one, the personal, the, those divine moments, like you were talking about those divine moments that are, those unexpected, not in front of a 2000, you know, people audience, but it's just like, there's a few people in the room and magic is happening. And most people will never know what that was, but we got to bear witness. Oh, I love and that. Yeah. I love bear witness. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally true. Thank you for that. Uh, yes, I, I, yeah, we were, we're relating on that point. I, you, you know, I, I, I've directed a lot in my life and, um, and I've been doing this for a really, really, really long time. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I know it's cliche, but, um, I'm sort of at a place where that is not the proof for me anymore. That is not the, that is not the measurement anymore. It used to be because I was, you know, the reason I came to those places because I could never say no to a job. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so I worked pretty hard most of the time that I was out there in the world. Um, but I'll tell you, my success has come whenever, and I, again, I'm trying not to sound like, trying not, it's hard when you, I don't love talking about myself. 
first of all, believe it or not, after that very lengthy story. <laughs> um, but I can tell you, having my clients and my and students do well, this is going to sound very I don't know, typical, I guess, of a teacher, about, and it is, I hope. Um, but I'll tell you, when I hear, when I see the joy in a student who's just gotten that television show or who has just gotten that film part that, or who's just gotten into the Royal Conservatory of Scotland or to NYU or to Yale or any of these number of places, that's when the work really comes home. And, and that's kind of made it all worth it. I actually love the spotlight. I was just having this conversation today with somebody. I, I love it when the spotlight is not near me. And I don't know how this came about. Maybe it was just paranoia over time or whatever. But I love the fact that the spotlight is on someone else and that I'm somehow helping them navigate, find out, figure out a way of working that also honors, honors who they are, kind of where they are, but also where they're going. You know, and, and so mentorship, I don't know if you saw that, but I, I do a lot of mentorship, hours and hours of it, in fact. And, and, and I, I, I don't know how to do anything else. So I figured this is my service. <laughs> you know, so I've had people who help me with my business go, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that for free. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't know what else I, I'm trying to do an active service. And to me, at least being a voice or a sounding board or something for someone who's trying to figure out how this all works and navigating the world as an artist, as a creator, really, really difficult, you know? So I'm in large classrooms and I do all of that work still. And I, I have collectives, you know, that I work in. I do workshops all around the country and stuff like that too. But the primary joy is in that experience where we're just working on a thing and trying to move the move that forward. Uh, Mabel, you had a question that I would like to, um, oh, good. You don't remember it, so I'm going to steal it. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Wave your hand back and oh. forth. No. My, gift, my gift to you, Tori, <laughs> the question. <laughs> it specifically has to do with playwrights because Mabel and I are both playwrights. So as playwrights, so when you're starting to unpack a text, mm-hmm with with an actor coaching them is there something that you feel playwrights should consider as they are writing oh that's a good question thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you my bell that's right (laughs) Uh, i was like i i really i did want to hear your thoughts on this though yeah so, you know, there's a couple of concepts that I, I always look for immediately as soon as I find text. One is um, kind of, t- I'm going to break it down into two thoughts and then I'll continue with what we're talking about. But the first one is how close to conversational reality am I looking at? Just in terms of text alone, just am I looking at people talking in a conversational reality? You know, something that you'd hear if you were uh, sitting at a restaurant and listening to another person or a couple of people talking. I look for that because that's going to begin to signal to me just the nature of, of the kind of work the actor has to do to get to that level of simplicity and truth while honoring whatever the development of character you've created and the circumstance you've created. So that that's a piece that I look for. Is this a, you know, so if you take a Tennessee Williams play, oftentimes you're looking at, 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 at sort of 
not heightened in the classical sense of like heightened comedy or heightened text like Shakespeare, but you are looking at music. You are looking at this melodic quality and these choices of words that are almost liquid in nature as he writes uh, in a lot of his writing, right? Um, and, and you start to see that this is not just simple conversation and reality. There is something else happening here, which moves me to the second point. And that is now I'm looking for language that pulls out or words that pull out. So I'm actually looking for operative language that pulls out. And in operative language, um, I'll take an example. Oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I. If I take the words rogue and peasant slave as the first of that line, which he says, uh, the uh, Hamlet line, um, I'm looking at the word rogue and peasant slave. Those are two different things in the same thought. A rogue is not a peasant slave. A rogue is it, it's a base, angered quality. It has a life of its own. Peasant slave, has a, it's collected on its own. It can be its own thing. It can sound different. It can physically live out differently. And that's just one line. So, so one of the things that I would say... Uh, to a playwright, if we were sitting in a room together and we were talking about the pieces, I would say, are there times when, one, we're collecting this po uh, this more heightened or poetic gesture in language, and is that doing something for us? Or is this a conversational reality piece where it's really about the guts, the, the undercurrent, the subtextual undercurrent, that maybe not what is being said is, what be it's what is what's being meant, but but so that's a whole different level of investigation because when you get that text, of course, we have to go. Okay, I know that's what they're saying, but is that what's what is that is that what's being said? You know, and so um, I hope I'm answering your question. But that that is the place that I start to look. Uh, I look at those two things. So to me, it's just letting me in on on also how you're trying to communicate. So one of my favorite things to do with actors, and we actually talked about this in class, I know we did, because I love punctuation. I love <laughs> punctuation. I love a playwright's, I love playwrights messing around. I like it messy in there. I wanna see a dash dash, and then I wanna see an you know, exclamation point, or I wanna see uppercase letters, and then you know, uh, in just one section, or I want, you know, or, or, or what's the difference between silent and pause? Those are places that the actor gets to really engage in the question, which means then the possibility, the answer is multifold as long as I'm back in service to the story that's being told. So it is amazing. That, that to me is the joy of particularly a lot of contemporary writing. It's like it's like following, you know, the, the melody of Brahms versus a melody of, of Mozart. You know, jazz versus hip hop or country western. It's a there. There's there's a music that is being dictated to us in a way that we get to then explore based on that punctuation and based on, of course, you know, the the language and how it's used and how the how the dialogue is used with each other and those kinds of things. But I go to those two things or three things, I guess I I, I would say: is it conversational reality, it, I, and is it common language, if you will. Then I have to find the deeper experience. Is it heightened? Do I need to go to those experiences and just start to discern 
you know, we talk things like antithesis and simile in Shakespeare, but really that's okay. I think that's absolutely necessary. But I also think what's more important is the usage of the words, the sound of that experience, what they do internally. If I say rogue, then that's different than peasant slave. That's, that's one line. And all of a sudden, the life of, uh, and the music starts to show up based on those. And then finally, the punctuation for me, which is just, I live off that. I, I mean, that's like the party to me. That's just so fun. What does this dash mean? What's the difference between these dashes and that pause that she, he or she has given us or they've given us? You know, what's the difference between this, uh, this uh, a series of ellipses that's coming every three lines? And what's the difference between that and um, and and say, you know, a, a space where silence occurs, you know, it, we can all say, well, we know that's continuous thought. That's what that is. Well, but if all the thoughts are being broken up, I, I'm thinking of a particular text, all the thoughts are being broken up by these ellipses. Well, it's not a continuous thought. It's a thought based on the previous moment of the line or, you know, that line. So, uh, so yes, that's a party for me. I, I don't know if I answered your question, but that's what I would say about, um, it's kind of determining how you want to use that in the world of writing. And then... No, you did, because I was curious how you approached it, mm -hmm. especially when you're working with actors. How do you how do you take that text? You know, almost like directors do, right? How do you, how do you then um, start to bring in those other collaborators? And what do you look for? And what, what pops out to you? Well, so if I can just interject again, the other thing about that is um, I got a huge smile on my face for anybody who can't see me right now. <laughs> it's because these are amazing questions and, um, and I love talking about this stuff. So here, here's the thing in an audition. So, you know, I'm an audition coach, right? So that's a, mm -hmm. a large portion of my work right now. And um, particularly, and I'll talk primarily about theatrical right now, but in theatrical auditions, um, all you get is that 90 seconds, that, that, that one minute, right? So let's just, so what I can't do in an audition, right? But what I can't do, Tori, is I can't, um, I can't, you, you don't know the before and after. Even if you're mm -hmm. familiar with the piece, you're oftentimes vague on the moment that is the catalyst to get the lines going at the top of the monologue or the thing that it results in, which is after the monologue, right? So all we've got, which is why I'm so on top of this right now for myself and why I love it so much, I did it as a director, but I'm really utilizing it here, is what is given to us right now, in this moment. So I don't have to be fully obligated to what came before it and what it's coming after, because that's a monologue that happens a lot in monologue classes. We have to put it in context. But when you just get, and I look at a lot of singular text where I don't know the before or the after, and it has to live exclusively as its own whole story. So if it has to live exclusively as its own story, then that means all of the clues are hidden inside that text. And mm -hmm. it's only in there that we begin to make determinate choices um, on the text and figure out our, our interpersonal connection to that text because it's an audition monologue it is not mm. a monologue from a monologue class which is why they play very differently why quite frankly if done well that audition monologue is hot it never comes in medium it's not to say that it's overwrought or overacted that's not what i'm saying but that it comes in hot because you've decided to pick out pull out and examine those things the playwright has given you to make a choice on 
and you have to make a choice. Mm. So it, it, it's like the microcosm of the bigger thing. I, I would dare say that I might be a better director than I, 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 than I might have was even maybe now. I don't know. I haven't directed, nor do I really have the desire to direct. But anyway, um, but I love telling stories in those microcosmic places because it lets me get so engaged in the choices based based not only on what the playwright is giving us, but how the actor is then having to make a choice, whether they like it or not, interpreting what that playwright has given them. Uh, do, are, do you oversee the La Jolla Playhouse Young Performers con- Conservatory? Conservatory? I do. Yeah, I'm the director of the conservatory. And what I'll tell you, so this year, just very briefly, this year, what a joy. What a joy, because we came out of COVID. We did do a live version of this, and that was that had its own tensions and weirdnesses but because we had to follow so many so much the protocol which we did but Mm -hmm. these young people i mean you know how it sort of takes sometimes a a couple of weeks even for young people when they're together to kind of get their groove together to start to figure out what the dynamics are of a room these people were glued like from three days in they needed so desperately to be in the presence of one another and 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 create together it was i am honestly I can honestly say, and I've been in a lot of rooms as a teacher, this was one of the most amazing summers with young people I have ever had the opportunity to experience. And, and I'm telling you, the other faculty in the room will tell you the same thing. They were uh, they were just so hungry um, that it, it was truly one of the best, uh, for me, it was one of the best conservatory experiences I've had. It was amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. I know that the reputation of the conservatory there at La Jolla Playhouse is very high. So that um, it, it's a testament to the teaching artists there, to the coaches. So congratulations on that. Yeah, it's it couldn't yeah. be done without all the amazing faculty that I have in the room. All right, Tori. Oh, my goodness. oh okay. <laughs> let me bring up my question. All right. So now we are at the portion we where we ask our very pressing asking for a friend question. You know, and and I love this question that we chose, and I'll tell you why, Mavelle, before I even ask the question. As you were telling some of your stories about yourself as a child, I thought, yes, yes, you need to write a one-man show. Yes, I want. Jeffrey, I want to I see, want to that see it. Kid yes. singing. Yes. Oh my gosh. Judy Garland songs while riding the horse. <laughs> And then, and then getting off the horse and then doing <laughs> dancing. Doing part of stare in the field, yeah. Yeah, I, lo- I, I, I do. I like that kid a lot. I really do. Uh, really like I like that kid, too. I love that kid. He was, I want to pay liked, good money. So I liked him. I liked him. <laughs> no, that, that's... Yeah. So, and I'm going to change one word, Mabel. Go for it. If a play no. was made of your life, what genre would it be and who would play you? Wow. Okay. Uh, what genre would it be? Um, you know, I, 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 honestly, I, oh God, it, um, I, somehow it would have to be a Western. <laughs> I, I, but you know the big city kid comes back only to be uh only to be looked at sideways by the people around him who just don't understand what happened to the boy uh so somehow it would have to have that that um 
if I'm using that correctly, yeah, it would have to be, I think it'd have to be in the genre of an old classic Western. My father was John Wayne and I, I get, and I know I, I kid about that. He wasn't actually John Wayne, but he might as well have been John Wayne. I grew up with John Wayne. So, um, so yeah, I would say, I would say, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I related to shows like the Waltons, uh, mm. because, um, because, my family were hardworking people and they were all those things, but there was, you know, this, this was this alien world that I attended. And so, you know, that, did I come back a city slicker? You know, I don't know. Uh, or maybe a romantic comedy, except when I come back, it's not, <laughs> it's, you know, Johnny from up the street who's waiting for me. I don't know. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I, I think that's about as close as I can get. Yeah. Now, do you imagine a, a certain actor playing, oh, playing. you? Well, yeah. Well, first, uh, ooh, if it were made today, any sure. I, I, I any, would say, like, I, I would I would say, say if you want to go, go back. Why not? Yeah. Uh, this, well, this is your story, Jeffrey. Uh, you get made, to choose. If it, it were made today, um, gosh, uh, um, that's that's so hard. I. I and I, I'm trying. So Ron Howard was the first person who came to my mind because, and I, I'm probably hitting too hard on the, the head right now because he's a director and he was a child actor. And, uh, but I related so wholeheartedly to him for so long. Uh, he was also an inspiration to me um, uh, at many points. Um, uh, that's a really good question. And I, I don't, I, I don't know if I'm going to give you the best answer, but Ron Howard, the reason Ron Howard is, is because he was so dedicated to what he did. And he's always seemed sort of on the outside. He never really felt like he was on the inside. So I'm sort of taking traits of Ron Howard, not Ron Howard, the actor necessarily, but Ron Howard, the person and kind of applying him to me. I had a kind of naive way of looking at the world when I was younger. And he kind of reminded me of someone who was always relatively naive. And so I don't know if that's right, but, but yeah. I don't know. That was a that is tough. I'd like to think, you know, like Kenneth Branagh or <laughs> or even Timothy Chalamet, a young sensitive singing <laughs> Goody Garland songs at the top of the sauce, only to be taken off the horse and sitting down while he's eating lunch, weeping about his desire to be Fred Astaire. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That one's tough. Woo! Okay. <laughs> All right, now we get into the portion where you get to share a writing prompt and you did send something to us that is fantastic. Oh my gosh, it's so meaty. I love it. Okay. I'm wondering if you want to if you want to give us the synopsized, is that a word? Yeah, synopsized mm -hmm. version of the... the... Yeah, and we will. what we'll do is we'll share the full version in our show notes. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So, um, so this, uh, the writing prompt actually comes from an exercise that I do, which is actually going to turn into a workshop in the spring. So look for it. Um, <laughs> ding, 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 plug, ding, ding. Plug, we'll put that in the uh, show notes too. Is, uh, yeah. uh, no dates yet, but, um, so uh, for this one, uh, this is, uh, this is an exercise that I do that's based on imitation, um, exploration, or justification and authentication. And that's, so it's based on imitation, exploration, authentication. So the idea is to take a character that you you are familiar with and, and an actor's portrayal of that character. It's best if you use film and television for this, um, just 
for the prop. Uh, so you'd want to use a character that's familiar, that has very distinctive traits, physical traits, vocal traits, even emotional uh, behavioral traits that are that are either tipped up more than unusual in nature. Try to stay out of impediment. That would be my own. In other words, an impediment being, you know, is uh, a person who does drugs or drinks or has a particular uh, mm. kind of ability or disability that, 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 that is formed over time out of maybe an injury or something like try to stay away from that because you want to just look from the personality side of this character. Then what I want you to do is just but without knowing the totality of the story, if you can, try to create a backstory that literally defines why you think they are physically the way they are, why they hold their voice the way they do, why they sit up in a certain sound. But try to create a story around what caused that to happen. Um, if their shoulders are tight together and lifted and it seems like they enter a room in a very um, extraordinary way that's tight and forward. And I have an example that I'll give you in the actual prompt on their site. But try to define a moment or a series of, of moments or events that might have created that behavior. Um, we can start to look at what, you know, the family environment is, what, what, they, what they've done over time and those kinds of things in order to figure out. Um, and, and we get to make this up. We don't have to be completely right. We get to make this up. And then finally, we go into us, and that's exploration. We're trying to justify it for ourselves as to why someone has certain traits and uh, physicalisms, vocalisms, and emotional behavior. Then we go into authentication. And this is actually my favorite part from a, from a workshop standpoint, because what we do is we take that character, who's obviously coming from another story in a very specific way, and we move them over into a different set of circumstances. And I use the Hodges environmental facts here to do that. And so we're looking at setting them in a different condition, like a different location, a different geography, a different um, time of year, a, a different familial environment, a different economic environment, political environment, social, religious environment, just to see how this behavior changes based or is fortified or altered in any way based on the conditions of that. So it is very different for us to live in Soviet Russia than it was to live in Salem during the Salem witch trials. There may be some similarities there, uh, but there's also going to be. So if I place a character from, you know, uh, 20th century Brooklyn who has these particular traits and behaviors, and I move them over into, let's say, Soviet Russia um, during the Cold War, that's going to that that behavior is going to alter and change but it's also what is that character like in that space mm. what are they like in that environment and so what it does i believe is it adds uh, one it it uh, it removes the character from a condition that's already been and i believe this is great for just creating characters um from a condition that's already preempted predetermined based on the story that they're currently in and it it it, it adds a kind of universality can that character live in other in other ways, in other times, and in other places? And I think the bet is, as I have seen in workshop before and exercise in this in class, is you start to discover that sometimes they can live very much the same in that world. But oftentimes you can see the conflict rub up against the nature of that character because it just doesn't fit in the conditions that they're provided. So then that means how does that character change? How would you alter, moderate, change in, uh, 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 the character 
to to meet that new environment. I would love to try this. Yes. Yeah. I think it would be so fascinating to take a character and place them. I mean, one of the things that could come out of that is you could automatically be creating conflict, right? The heart of drama. Oh, absolutely. By taking them and putting them in this other space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and when you start, so if you bring in a character that's really obvious, like a certain kind of sound and, uh, you know, and he's got a kind of sound that goes on in the mouth and that's how he sort of sounds. Well, what does that do when he starts to move into another area? What does it start to do? And where did it come from? And is he now foreign to the territory? Is he, is he somehow... Can he find his way into that environment? That, that's a really interesting thing. And when you start seeing people transform the the choices that have been made based on their an original character into a different set of circumstances through a, usually an open-ended text, because we just place a new condition on it, it's fascinating. It's really fascinating to watch. I, I love this exercise so much. I almost want to come and observe come. this workshop. I mean, Mabel's like, yes, I will observe. I will, observe. I will, not, <laughs> I will not act. Well, you know, we were talking about this other idea, but I have to tell you, you, it would be so cool to have, you know, a character come into the space that you have created, yes. um, that you have, you know, done all the the backstory, if you will, and the creation, let the actor figure out what the determinants are in terms of the behavior. Then we move it out of the condition you created and we place it somewhere else. Oh, that would be fascinating. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Okay. Well, let's keep talking. Now we've got two, oh, we got two things we're doing. Yay! <laughs> lucky me. This is a lucky day for me. Woo awesome. Lucky day for us. I know. Oh, He's lucky. Yeah. We're all, we're all yeah. lucky. It's a rocky horror. <laughs> we're all lucky. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, my goodness. Okay, Jeffrey. Um, What... You have stuff coming up. You said January is is going to be super busy. So what? Yes. Where where can people find you if people want to to um, learn from you one on one? Your wisdom, your classes. Oh, yes. what, where where can people find you? Uh, so yes, uh, you can catch me at my website, which which always has kind of updated information on it at www.jeffreyingman.com, which I'll give to you guys. And then and then also you can go to my uh, SD Audition Coach page on Facebook, which I also have a link there. Um, you can find me through MCIT because I teach the Meisner Technique still on Wednesdays with Lisa Berger. I've got clients who are getting ready to go to grad school, trying to get into grad school. Yee! Yeah. That's so and, cool. and trying to get into, you know, really great undergraduate programs. And I, that has been a massive joy in my life most people who know me and know what I do right now that's they, they know that's a forward part of my life I'm so grateful for that so if you you know if you're a person who's still trying to figure out how you're going to get into grad school or you're looking to you know hone those audition skills um uh I I love the success rate of my students they have done very 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 well uh you can go and look at that stuff if you want come join us I know it sounds fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm right. Scenes for adults and teens. I mean, that's oh, what, oh my that's gosh. what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. I was thinking, I was, I'm I was like, thinking yeah, that would be the jam, right? Lots of fun. Let me take another acting I'm not, class. I'm not <laughs> counting, but that's three things now we're engaged in. Together. I know, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what? I, 
Jeffrey, you don't understand. When you put stuff like that out there, Tori and I, like, we'll do it. We're, <laughs> but you should know that, like, we're we're starting to be creepy. Like, like we'll we'll just be like, hey, so you said that do this. Yeah. So here we are. Somebody comes. Yeah. Somebody comes on the podcast yeah. and they go, yeah. oh yeah. So we should go. So then we just show up. So we just show up. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, you didn't tell me you were coming. Oh, yeah. oh come on. <laughs> Come on yeah. in. I remember that time and you were on the podcast. And like, and you said. I, I do remember that time, but I figured you talked to so many people. Uh, no, no, seriously. That, uh, we, I don't want to be that guy, but let's take a meeting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. No, we had, uh, we had Lucy Wong on no. uh, Playwright and oh. she said she was talking to us about how she works out and tries out her material in the gym. So instead of coffee, you know, we're going to go work out. Work out in the gym. Yeah. I I could use that and you can come and join. Let's do the gym. Let's go. We got a great space, as you know, so we could actually do a little yoga. I I could throw on some music. We could do some That's right. We totally could. And then we can start working. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I love it. What a pleasure. Listen, a play could come out of that. There's so many possibilities in the world. It writes, it's, so it writes itself, Tori. It writes it does, itself. It writes itself. The whole thing. The whole. <laughs> oh, gee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, my okay. goodness. All right. <laughs> what a joy. All right. Thank you so much. Jeffrey, thank you so much for sharing space with us tonight. We just enjoyed this conversation. And I learned so much about the process. I mean, I got to experience it, but to get to share this time in the room and hear what your journey has been like and where you're going. Yes. Where you are in the in this space with us today. But again, just, you know, putting out there just just where your life is going. It's it's just been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, the My heart sings. It really, this is very joyful. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Continue doing good work. And remember, just, you know, we all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. And we all want to be experienced in the world. So thank you for letting me have all three of those tonight. I appreciate it. Well, I highly recommend... If you are in this area, or even if you're not, because Jeffrey, it sounds like maybe have some virtual offerings in the future that you definitely look into taking his classes. He has such a gentle, non-invasive approach that, um, as Mabel said at the beginning of the episode, feels very safe. Yes, totally agree. I hope we get to work together in a playwriting capacity at some point. That would be really cool. So we'll see. Yes. Yay! So Tori, right. our our schedule is getting kind of uh kind of booked up. We have some we got some plans in the works, right? We got some some festivals we're gonna try to hit up and some plays we're gonna try to go see and stuff. Like I'm excited, even though we're still we're still we're still where we are, unfortunately. I know, I know but, with but, the variant and all that, but we're we are in, we're Ameri- America, we are coming. That wraps up January. Woo-hoo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Once again, if you are interested in learning more about Jeffrey Ingman's classes, check out our show notes. And um, if you are interested in learning more about Hey Playwright, we have this is season four. So if you're new to the show, welcome and check out season three, two, and one because um, we have some fabulous guests and and we're gonna have some fabulous guests coming up. If you found any value in this episode, feel free to share with someone who you think might also find value. You like that? 
the official I, voice. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can find us on all of the socials, right? We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, are there any other socials? Still oh, no website. TikTok. Still no, we still don't have a TikTok. We are working on that. Wait. But we do have, but we do have content on our YouTube channel. Yeah, we did, oh we did a, we did a little bonus episode with our homie, uh, Brian James Polak from the Subtext Podcast. So if you want to see what we look like, what we look like, <laughs> check out the YouTube channel. Yes, and we actually do have some really beautiful photos up on the website now. <gasps> Uh, yeah, right. it, it only took us four seasons to, to actually put our picture. Yeah. So I would like to say those were taken by John, my husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did a beautiful job with those photos, and for that, I think I'll him. take the credit. I'll take the credit. Thank you, Tori. <laughs> I'll take the credit for making him say for making him get his. I'm like, come on, man. Like this sucks. We don't have any pictures of ourselves. Like you, have, you get you the take- camera. Yeah, and we're taking. We want a picture in front of the ice cream truck. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. I feel thank like you, you should plug his band too. You should. Let's just let's just not make it about John. You know what? I will plug his band yeah. because the trombone player in his band. <gasps> Daniel we is a listener of the show. We should have said that in the see, yes. Okay. Yes. And has been doing the exercises. So I will plug the band. Um, so Daniel Hernandez, one of our listeners, is in the band Beta 7. And uh and I, I will put we'll put a link in the show notes for, yeah, yeah. for if you if you're interested in hearing that kind of music. But but shout out to Daniel Hernandez for doing the work. Thank you, Daniel. We enjoy reading your work. And yeah. anybody else, if you are doing any of these exercises, please share them. It's yeah. exciting to see um, those exercises being put into play. And, uh, or, you know, you don't have to share them, but we get inspiration from you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. And I get inspired from you, Tori. And I, you. Is that... <laughs> proper grammar yeah let's go with (laughs) it okay okay cool cool all right until next time yes happy writing Mm. 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 tori's Mm. punching punching air yes yes ready she's ruth bader ginsburg that's right bam boom 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 boom. bam 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 bam. okay all right bye 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 for now bye (laughs) bye mundo (laughs) 